English with Rob. Hello, 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 hello. There, there's a few hellos for you. You can choose which one is your favourite, which one you want to stick with. Hello, there's another one. Welcome to the English with Rob podcast. My name is Rob. I'm a British English teacher, and this podcast is to help you improve your English. I'm, I would say learn English, but if you are listening to this, then you have learned English. You are speaking. You are understanding English to a level well enough to understand me. Then、uh, I'm not teaching you English. I am improving your English. But I will teach you some new words and phrases today, probably. Okay, so it's just me. It's just me today.、Uh, often. I have a guest, another teacher, so that we can chat together about things, and we can, and I can learn something new from my、uh, teacher guests. But it's just a solo podcast today, just me on my own with a microphone. Something else that rhymes with that, and a,、mm, a phone. I've got a phone, and、uh, I'm alone, and I'm at home. Yes, I'm owning this podcast. Okay, no need for rhymes. I'm not a rapper. I'm an English teacher. So today, just me, and I am going to bring you some interesting English. Ooh, 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 that's some interesting English. Ooh, ooh, that's some interesting English. Ooh, that's some interesting English. But what? What interesting English? Am I going to give you today? Well, it's phrases and idioms and expressions which involve countries, and actually some cities as well. Why? 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 Why am I going to do this? Why? Well, it's interesting. That's why. That's why you just heard the jingle. Interesting English. But are idioms and expressions useful for? For English language learners to learn, hmm, good question. Thanks. Well, I think so. I think that knowing expressions and idioms can help to add color to your language, and you know, color and flavor, a bit of character, and especially if you are someone who is living、uh, in a in a native English speaking country,、um, you will hear these. Idioms and expressions from time to time, and if you really, if you take, you know, if you record your day or record a conversation, and listen for how many idioms and expressions native English speakers use daily, hourly,、um, you'll be surprised. There, there is a lot, and sometimes there are some things which can confuse language learners.、Uh, let me think of an. Idiom off the top of my head. There are so many, and it's always so difficult to do this. Hmm. Okay. Well, one of the most basic ones: don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Doesn't mean when you've got some eggs, yeah. Don't put them all in in one basket. Put have two baskets or three baskets, or don't even use a basket. Maybe put one in your pocket. Maybe have like a box with some of them in. Maybe have. Uh, some different boxes, or some sort of cart that you pull along to put some of the eggs in. Which、well, should I put? Just one egg in each carrier, 
Or sh can I put some in some together? And and or do they ha all have to be sep? No, I'm, this is ridiculous. You know, they can confuse English language learners because you're you're talking about I don't know uh, backing up your computer, uh, backing up all the stuff on your computer, and you're gonna put it onto one hard drive and someone says, oh, no, 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 don't put all your eggs in one basket. Hey, I'm talking about my computer. Why are you now talking about eggs and baskets? Did you want to change the subjects? No. This is why it's important to learn idioms and expressions or just really the fact that they exist and how much we use them. And if you are able to put some of these idioms and expressions in your speech, maybe not so much your writing, unless you're writing some prose in a novel, uh, certainly not in academic writing or mm, hmm, business writing, possibly, because there are quite a lot of business type idioms. Ooh, there's an idea for a future podcast. Okay. Right. Where am I? I'm talking about why idioms are useful. Yeah. If you put them into your speech, your English level or people's idea of your English level will be much higher because you have taken your first step into a larger world by starting to use idioms and expressions. And think about it, in your native language, probably they're used a lot also. Uh, in English, they are used a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. In fact, when I listen to podcasts, I I often um, open up other people's podcasts, not mine. I don't tend to listen to my own podcast while I'm walking around the shops. I, I have enough of my own thoughts in my head constantly that um, are always there. When I listen to other people's podcasts, I often um, tune myself in to noting what idioms and expressions they use. And sometimes I'll think, oh, that's an interesting one. That's a very useful one for English learners. I'll, I'll add that to my list. And I was looking down my list the other day and I, I noticed how many of these that I've written have countries or cities as the main focus. And I wondered where some of them come from. And uh, I looked up some more and I've put together a list of a few. So we're going to listen to them now. And guess what? I made a jingle. But before I play you the jingle, I have to explain one of the idioms already. Is it an idiom, this one? Yeah. Listen, I don't know where to draw the line between idiom, expression, and phrase, really. So let's just call them all phrases for today. Today's is... Phrases. <laughs> okay, that's not... That's not... Today's is, is not a word, so sorry. Just, oh, just playing with the language a little bit there. So the phrase that I want to explain to you first is it's all Greek to me. It's all Greek to me. So yes, this, this involves a country and more specifically the language. The country is Greece. The language is Greek. It's all Greek to me means I don't understand it. I don't understand anything. Uh, when could I use this? If someone, well, I could be, you know, this would not be using it in an in an idiomatic or figurative way. If someone spoke in the Greek language to me and then my wife said, what did he say? I could say, I don't know, it was all Greek to me. 
because it actually was Greek. But if I'm at a party and I start talking to someone who works in IT, someone who is a, a computer programmer, and they start talking to me about code, or if I uh, open up a, a window on a computer screen and it's full of code, it's all Greek to me. I know nothing about coding. And if I read it, if I look at it, if I examine it, well, like, I couldn't examine it. I wouldn't know where to begin. It's all Greek to me. It's all Greek to me. I don't understand it. So you will hear this phrase in my jingle. Here we go. Phrases about countries. Phrases and idioms. Phrases about countries. Maybe the one where you come from. If it's all Greek to you. the podcast you should listen to phrases about countries phrases and idioms phrases about countries maybe the one where you come There you go, the jingle, and it included the first phrase. It's all Greek to me, or actually in the jingle it was, if it's all Greek to you. And I want to explore with some of these, not all of them, the, the history, the etymology. Where did this phrase come from? And it's something that uh, not many people look up, research. They use these phrases. I, I use many, many phrases and idioms without knowing the origin of them. So in this podcast, I'll make it a bit more interesting by telling you the history, according to the internet, of where these phrases came from. And in that way, my feeling, my idea is that having this knowledge in your head might help you to remember the phrase it might help you to keep it in your head you don't just have the phrase and the meaning we have a phrase a meaning and wow an interesting story about where this language came from so let's go let's start with it's all greek to me this comes from shakespeare you know that guy shakespeare wrote loads of plays in the 15th century Oh, I have to Google that. Let's find out. Oh, that's embarrassing. I should know that. Uh, let's see. When was Shakespeare around? Here's a summary from Shakespeare Birthplace Trust. William Shakespeare was a renowned English poet, playwright, and actor born in 1564 in Stratford-upon-Avon. Ah. Okay, I said 15th century. Uh, it's actually the 16th century. Okay. Only a hundred years out, Rob. Don't worry about it. So it's from Shakespeare. It's all Greek to me. And it comes from Julius Caesar, the play called Julius Caesar, which, by the way, I'm not familiar with. And uh, But I read that in the play, someone gives a speech, a very important speech. To give a speech means to speak to a crowd and everybody's listening to you. At a wedding, people give speeches 
Politicians often give speeches to audiences. And someone gave a speech and they delivered the speech in Greek. They, they said every word in the speech in Greek. On purpose, so that one of the characters from the play couldn't understand it. And the quote from Julius Caesar is, For mine own part, it was Greek to me. Did you see how I uh, put on a bit of a posher accent there because I was doing some highbrow, high-class, high-culture literature, Shakespeare? There are lots and lots of expressions, English expressions, which originate from Shakespeare. And that's one of them. In fact, on a previous podcast episode, in a previous, in a previous podcast episode, I played a game with... Uh, Sabina from Dammit English and it because she likes rap a lot and she explains to us how she learned English through rap and we played a game called Shakespeare or rap where I gave her some a verse some some lyrics some words which were either from a rap a rapper who made a rap or from Shakespeare and did, I can't remember how it went. You'll have to have a listen to see if she got them right or wrong. One of the, one of my very early podcasts. Well, I think this is still an early podcast. I hope this one even. I hope we will go into the hundreds, maybe thousands. Who knows? One of the first ones was with Sabina from Damn It English, and there, yeah, Shakespeare popped his head up into my podcast then as well. So there you go. It's all Greek to me. From Shakespeare means uh, I don't understand it. Let's do another one. Am I going to do that in between each one? Yeah, okay, why not? So I'm going to stay with the same meaning. There is another phrase which also means I don't understand it. And that is it's double Dutch. It's double Dutch. What was that he said? I don't know. It was double Dutch. So Dutch, don't confuse it with Deutsch. Deutsch is the German word for German, the German language, the German nationality. But Dutch is the nationality and the language of people from the Netherlands. Okay, Dutch. So Dutch, it's double Dutch means I don't understand it. And it can also be not only you don't understand it, but also if somebody is speaking um, nonsense words like if I say what was that? what language was that? it wasn't a language it was just double dutch there you go just some random phonemes coming out of my mouth double dutch okay where does that come from? well oh <laughs> I didn't write it down okay when <laughs> I didn't write down where that phrase comes from it must not be very interesting. I've not got a, a history of every one of these. Double Dutch. But we're going to stay in the Netherlands, or you might hear the Netherlands referred to as Holland. Lots of British people call it Holland. But um, it's not right to do that. The Netherlands is the proper name, and actually Holland is just one particular region of the Netherlands. For some reason, though, the name Holland has has come into the English 
uh, syntax and is used a lot. Don't know why. Well, there is probably some etymology behind that, which I could look up as well, but I'm not going to. But staying there, because there are a lot of phrases with Dutch or about Dutch involving Dutch in English. And I, I suppose this is because, you know, they are one of our closest neighbors. Uh, along with the French, and we did a lot of trade. I say we, I don't know why. It's like, you know, when people support a football team and they say, oh, how, how did you how did you do yesterday? Oh yeah, we, we beat Chelsea. No, you didn't, you're not in the team. What's with the we? No, they, the team you support beat Chelsea, okay? Okay? That's a, a little annoyance of mine. <laughs> Okay, but I am British, so can I say we? But I wasn't involved in, in trading with uh, the, the Dutch, you know, way back in the, the 15th, 16th century. Centuries? Okay, I'm, 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 I'm getting all tied up here. Let's, let's break out of this. Okay, there we go. So, more phrases with Dutch. Here we go. To go Dutch. To go Dutch. When might you go Dutch? When would you go Dutch? Do you know? Well, when you go to a restaurant with a person or some people, there are different ways of paying at the end, aren't there? Either one person can pay for everything. Thank you very much. If you are that person, please invite me to a restaurant next time you go. Or everybody can just pay the same you can split the bill if there are 10 people you take the bill and you divide it by 10 and that's what everybody pays or you can go dutch which is where everybody just pays for what they had it's more complicated because you have to look at the bill and do a calculation for everybody usually at the end it's either over or under the amount and um i don't like it i don't like that i don't like that and unless uh it's an expensive restaurant and I've not had much and I've purposefully chosen the cheapest thing on the menu because I don't want to pay much, then I will happily go Dutch. Mm, there you go, another wrap. I don't want to pay much, let's go Dutch. And, uh, okay, this is why I'm not a rapper. This is why. <laughs> you know, speaking of which, this is a little side tangent. I discovered someone recently online his name is Harry Mack, and he raps, and he improvises rap. And I know that a lot of other people do that, and yes, I'm a, a white guy saying you should listen to this white rapper. But um, he turned up on a video of a band I like called Scary Pockets, and they always collaborate with people. And he was rapping uh, just spontaneously to whatever was, you know, about whatever was in the room. And then I, I thought, wow, that's interesting. And I, I um, did some more digging on the internet and I found um, him being on like chat apps, just chatting to random people and then rapping about what he sees in their room or rapping about what they're doing. Amazing, amazing, very good. Okay, Harry Mack, if you want to check out that guy who raps a lot better than me. <laughs> okay, so where were I, where were I, where were I? No, 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 that's not good. Where was I? To go Dutch, yes. And so when you go for a meal and you want to split the bill, but you want to pay only what you for what you 
O for what you had. You go Dutch. And uh, what is the origin of this? Well, it comes from the seventh century. No, seventeenth century. And I mentioned, you know,、um, the Netherlands was one of our closest neighbors, and we did a lot of trade. And it's about that. It it links back to trade routes. I, I've got nothing more. Sorry, touch the microphone. Got to stop doing that. I've got nothing more specific about it. Just it involves trade routes. I imagine、uh, people were paying for only what they brought across、uh, in the trade. I don't know. It trade routes is the origin that I have, and nothing more. Okay, I've got one more Dutch expression for you. Dutch courage. A bit of Dutch courage. What is Dutch courage? Well, if you、uh, want, if you are looking for a romantic partner,、um, forget、uh, Tinder. We're not talking about that. We're talking about when you're out in public, in bars, in restaurants, and yeah, especially bars and restaurants. Not really the supermarket. Not really, not really the place for this.、Um, you want some confidence. Some courage to go and speak to that woman or that man that you like. And where can you get this courage, this confidence? Well, you can get some Dutch courage, which means drinking some alcohol, giving you a bit less.、Uh, what does it give you? It gives you less、um, fear. It gives you more confidence.、Um, I'm not. I'm not promoting drinking alcohol to cope with things. That's not what I'm saying, but oh, come on, you know what I'm saying. When, when you're drunk, you're a bit more free. You're you're less、um, restricted, less constrained. You you don't worry about stuff so much. And yeah, I've had a few beers. I'm going to go to that woman and, and say, hey, what am I going to say? <laughs> oh God, I was always terrible at、uh, chatting people up. Hey, is that a phrasal verb? No, wait. Is it a phrasal verb to chat up? Because chat is still you're still chatting. You know, we're gonna have it as a phrasal verb. Okay. Yeah, to chat up is our phrasal, phrasal verb of the week. Phrasal <laughs> verb of the week.、Uh, yeah, I have the long bit of drums so that I can talk and say, "Here's the phrasal verb of the week," and then we hear the singing. I messed it up, but hey, still early in my podcasting career. I hope. So to chat someone up means to speak to someone with the intention of er how far can we go here with the intention of becoming romantically involved with them yeah to chat someone up and hopefully you、uh, leave with a phone number or maybe a kiss or a snog. Is that a, that's a very British word? A snog is like a long kiss with mouths open a bit, maybe a bit of tongue.、Uh, to, to snog, a snog,、um, a, bit, a bit of a childish,、mm, ch- adolescent word, I suppose. Don't hear it very much these days. Don't use it. <laughs> so why did I teach it to you? It's interesting, right? Interesting English. Okay, why am I saying this? Because yes, Dutch courage. Is when you、uh, drink alcohol for confidence, Dutch courage, and again, this goes back to、uh, historic 
historical trade routes, 17th century is what I what I found on the internet, where um, it turns out that the Dutch uh, imported, no, exported and imported, we imported, the British imported, I'm saying we again, like I was involved in the importing of Dutch gin. Nope. The British people in the 17th century imported lots of gin from the Netherlands. Uh, so this is where the expression comes from, Dutch courage. So another one, uh, that's all the Dutch ones. Let's go a little bit west across Europe to France. And here is a French expression. Pardon my French, pardon my French. When would you say, pardon my French? Well, you would say, pardon my French, when you use some bad, vulgar language. When you swear, if you say the F word, or the S word, or the C word. And, um, yeah, if you swear, you know, sort of maybe by accident, or if you, you swear and then you think, oh, wait, wait a minute, this this situation that I'm in didn't need a fuck. Why did I say fuck? I'm talking to my 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 girlfriend's parents the first time I've met them. Why did I say fuck? I'm going to have to say, oh, pardon my French. Okay, pardon my French for when you swear and you didn't really want to. Or maybe you swear and you just say, oh, pardon my French as a sort of a jokey way. It's possible also. Um, and this comes from the mid-19th century, and I suppose, I don't suppose, this is what I read, I don't know why I said, I, I suppose, no, I know, I read that, it's part of the French-English rivalry, um, what's a rivalry, if you are rivals then you are not enemies, but you have some competition between you, and you don't like each other very much, uh, so they had, they had, still have I think really um no that's not true don't don't take it from oh that guy English with Rob said that there's a rivalry between England and France no it's it's friendly friendly play I suppose but I think back back in back in history it was more of a rivalry there was more tension and uh pardon my French implies that all of the French language is vulgar all of the French language is rude and bad, or that French people are rude and vulgar, which obviously is not true. But this is where the expression comes from. Don't, you know, don't blame me. Okay, let's uh, stay in France. And I was just thinking about maybe speaking some French, but I should not. Parce que c'est un podcast anglais. So... To take French leave, to take French leave, what does that mean? If you take French leave, it means you leave a party without saying goodbye. You're at a, you're at a party or an event or maybe a restaurant meal with lots of friends and you don't say bye to everybody, you just go. You just exit the building and then a, a bit later everyone's saying, hey, where's Rob? Have you seen Rob? Did did Rob leave? I've not seen him for a while. Was he okay? Did I say something? Did I say something to upset him? Why is, why is he gone? I don't know. Did he, did you, did you see him go, Brian? Did you see Rob leave? 
No, wait, his coat's gone. Huh, weird. Okay, so Rob, oh, that's me. I took French leave. I left without saying goodbye. And again, I think this is linked to, this is, this is me actually linking this. I think this is linked also to the rivalry between France and England and because it's a rude thing to do. So for some reason back then when this phrase uh, started to be used, for some reason the Brits thought that the French were rude and uh, impolite. Don't know why. So, uh, but there is something interesting about this phrase because it gets reversed, as I found out on the good old internet. No, actually, I've got, I've got a lot of problems with the internet. I will not call it the good old internet from now on. Um, I think that's a subject for another podcast. But um, there's a French phrase, which is filet à l'anglaise. Filet à l'anglaise. You know what? Uh, my uh, French pronunciation is not great. So let's have uh, Google tell us. Filet à l'anglaise. Filet à l'anglaise. Filet à l'anglaise. There you go. That also means to to leave quickly, and that it's à l'anglaise, uh, like the English. Leave like the English. Quickly. So, um, yeah, similar. Hmm? Interesting how we reverse it. We say, oh, you're leaving. You left like a Frenchman without saying goodbye. And they say, oh, you, where you go like a British person? You did not say goodbye. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Bad, bad, bad. French accent. Bad. Um, actually, I think filet is more like escape. So maybe, maybe that has more of a reference to um, fighting in battles. Very possible. Not sure about that, but possible. Don't take my word. Okay, let's do another one. Staying in Europe, let's go to Italy and talk about the phrase, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. Or sometimes we just say, when in Rome, when in Rome. So what does this mean? Well, did I write down what it means? I mean, I know what it means, but sometimes I write down examples for myself to to use. No, I didn't. Okay. So, uh, you go to somewhere. Let's say uh, mm, a bar, which is full of... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, thinking of examples on the spot. What, what came to my head was... Um, go to a bar, an outside beer garden maybe, and you look around and everybody is smoking. And I kind of think, hmm, well, I don't normally smoke, but when in Rome, hey, can I have a cigarette? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, that would be an example. Not, I wouldn't do that. I don't smoke. Um, uh, yeah, no, no, I wouldn't do that. No, no. Ah, let's try and think of another example. Um, so you are, um, let's think of a, okay, you're on the beach. You're on the beach and everybody is naked. You are the only person there who has clothes on. By mistake, you have gone to a nudist beach. 
where people don't wear clothes. And you know, when in Rome, you've got to take those clothes off. You can't really walk on that beach with clothes on with no one else has got clothes on. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. So, you're in Rome, you've got to do it. Yeah. And the beach, by the way, is not in Rome. So, you know, you don't have to be in Rome to... Well, you know that, you know this. Why am I explaining this? When in Rome, where does it come from? Well, this one does have a history which I wrote down. Uh, so, it's from a saint. Saint... Maybe you can hear my paper, paper rustling here. I was just going to read it. Saint Monica and her son, Saint Augustine, discovered that Saturday was observed as a fast day in Rome. To fast, in case you don't know, doesn't mean driving um, too, uh, too fast, no. To fast means to not eat anything. To choose not to eat anything. Um, okay, Saint Monica and her son Saint Augustine discovered that Saturday was observed as a fast day in Rome, where they planned to visit. However, it was not a fast day where they lived in Milan. They consulted Saint Ambrose, who said, When I am here, in Milan, I do not fast on Saturday. When in Rome, I do fast on Saturday. So that reply is said to um, be the origin of the, the phrase, when in Rome, or the full phrase, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. There you go. We can stay in Rome because there's another phrase with Rome and it's Rome wasn't built in a day, which I'm sure it's true. Yeah, that, that I'll give you that is definitely a fact. Rome wasn't or was not built in a day. It took many days to build Rome. Rome is still being built. Let's face it. It's being built and developed. Every city is all the time. Rome wasn't built in a day. So this means, you know, it to, to make something grand, to make something great, something beautiful. Um, you can't just do it quickly. You can't rush these things. If you want to make something spectacular, you have to take your time. You have to put the work in. You have to think about it and develop it slowly until it becomes this great thing like the city of Rome. Okay, that's that's what it means. And where does it come from? Um, well, I found that it featured in a French book of proverbs from around 1190. That's all I have. I don't really have any any else but yeah it is a proverb huh? Rome wasn't built in a day you know doesn't mean doesn't mean oh did you know that it took a few days <laughs> a few years to build Rome no you need to think deeper you if you want to make some I've already explained it if you want to make something beautiful and spectacular and great and grand you can't do it quickly right and Here's another one, not really a phrase, a noun, I suppose. A Mexican wave. A Mexican wave. Is that thing where you are in a, at a usually a sports game, in a, in a big crowd, and someone puts both arms up in the air and, and pulls them down quickly, like arms up, arms down. And then the person next to them does it. And then the person next to them does it. And the person next to them does it. And the person next to them does it. And it goes all the way around the stadium. And it looks like a wave is going around. And it's interesting because it's a wave in that you put your hands up and you wave. But it also looks like a wave. 
as in the waves of the ocean, because it looks like a, a, an ocean wave going around the crowd. So it's a nice double meaning of wave. I like that. And But why, why is it called a Mexican wave? Well, it's called a Mexican wave because... No, that's not the right piece of paper. Here's the right piece of paper. It's called a Mexican wave because uh, it first happened at the 1986 World Cup in Mexico. Well, I don't know if that's actually where it first happened, but that was where it was first noticed in the mainstream media and people started talking about it and people copied it and did it at, uh, you know, festivals and gigs and other sporting events. And uh, it's very popular now, Mexican Wave. Yeah, I've been part of many Mexican Waves in my pre-COVID days at uh, mostly music gigs because I don't go to many sports sporting events. I'm just thinking, have I been to any sporting events ever? Mm, nope. Mm, all I can think of is my school sports days and going to watch other people at their school sports days are the only sporting events I've been to. Um, yeah. What do you think about that, Zdenik? Uh, Zdenik, who has a Learn English with Football uh, Instagram account. I've never been to a football game. Okay. Um, oh, I've been to a cricket match, but not out of choice. The school, when I was at school, they took us to a cricket match and it was boring. Okay. So that's Mexican Wave. Here's another one. A New York minute. A New York minute. How long is a New York minute? Well, it's less than a minute. And it's a way to say something happens really quickly. Like, oh, I'm just going to the shops. I'll be back in a New York minute. Now that I say that to you, I realise that I would never actually say that. Maybe this phrase is used more in America. Um... But it certainly exists. That's why it's on my list. That's why I'm teaching it to you today. Where does it come from? Well, it comes from America, unsurprisingly. And uh, according to what I found on the internet, it comes from Texas. It was written about in Texas because Texas has a very slow pace, lots of farming and uh, not much busyness. And this is in high contrast to New York, where everything is fast paced. There are so many people on the street, cars rushing by, uh, subway trains rumbling under your feet. Um, and, you know, super tall buildings with so many people working, going from A to B. And everything is quick. It happens in a New York minute. And a New York minute, I don't, there's no there's no time. It could be 30 seconds, could be 10 seconds but it's less than a minute and it's a way I keep I'm sorry I keep touching the mic I'm sorry if you have these little oh what was that sound it sounds like something's crawling in my ear sorry I'll try, I'll try and stop I'm it's stupid because I'm not videoing this one and yet I'm using my hands to gesture and yeah I'll stop it so oh, I'm a bit lost let's just go to the next one and it's the last one, and it's an England one. And it's for England. Okay, I said that in a grand way. But it's, it's, let me give you it in a sentence. Wow, that guy can talk for England. That guy can talk for England, or that guy could talk for England. Meaning, um, 
well, if you play football for England, obviously, obviously you're very good at football. You're so good that uh, they chose you to be in the England team to lose against all the other teams. Uh, if you uh, are really good at, I don't know, uh, rowing, uh, you know, rowing a boat, then you could row for England. You could go to the Olympics, uh, join a rowing team, maybe the other way around, maybe join a rowing team and then go to the Olympics and row representing England. And if you win, then people say, well, England won the gold medal. So you could row for England and you can use this about anything, but not being serious about do this because it's not a sport. It could be anything that's not a sport. Like, wow, that guy can uh, program, do programming for England. And um, what else? I'm just looking around my basement here. Wow, he can play guitar for England. Yeah, he's really good at playing guitar. He could play guitar for England. Or, um, uh, wow, she, she can read for England. I'm looking at some books. <laughs> she can read for England. She's really good at reading. Yeah, yeah, she could read for England. So there you go. I don't know how it would work for you to use it if you are speaking about someone who is not English and not and you're not speaking in England. It would be quite funny, I think. You know, quite a, like an ironic joke. And yeah, I don't know if you say this in your language. Do you do you? You know, if you're if you're uh, Indian, do you say, "Oh, wow, uh, that guy can uh, walk for India." I don't know. Walk? It's not really something you can be good or bad at, is it? Uh, that guy can... Um, can't think of any other skills. I can't think of any other skills which are not sports. That guy can can take pictures for India. Yeah? He's, he's a very good photographer. Yeah, he can take pictures for India. There you go. Do you, do you say that? Do people... Do you, in your own language, say he could... Or she could do it for our country let me know i would be very interested to hear okay that was the last idiom so all that remains for me to do is to say goodbye and i'll see you in the next one which i think will be my christmas episode and for that one i have a very special guest shall i tell you who it is right now no going to leave it as a surprise if you or on Instagram, um, then you might see it before the podcast is out. Sometimes I do a little teaser. So uh, look out for that. And if you're not bothered about Christmas, hey, still listen to it because it's interesting to hear about other people's cultures. And, um, you know, if you're if you're speaking to a native English speaker around this time of year, then Christmas vocabulary may well come into the small talk conversation. So, yeah, useful to have some Christmas vocabulary and we look at a lot of it and we play some games and we talk about what our perfect Christmases are. That will probably be the next episode unless I release one, another one where it's just me in between. And that is everything. So I don't know why I'm whispering now. It feels like the right thing to do at the end and I'll play the jingle. Say goodbye. Goodbye. English with Rob.